right. Good evening. I'll be up here again, I guess, and I don't, I don't think the uh, headphone issue has been uh, fixed from that microphone, so I'll go ahead and teach from up here, although I'd rather be down there with you guys, but uh, we will, if you remember last Wednesday evening, we were studying this track up here, um, let me put that up there, the watered down baptism one, and of course those are on the back table if uh, you didn't pick one up last week or if you want one again. And again, we're just going through these different tracks that we just have tons and tons of uh, that have been sitting in storage for years and years. And so let's get familiar with them. You know, again, um, they are for you to take for your own personal study. They're for you to, you know, mail to someone to, you know, leave at a, a gas station or a library or whatever. Just, you know, it's for us to, again, to evangelize the community and also to uh, help ourselves. And so uh, just kind of get us familiar with those. And so uh, if you recall, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at that first one, the irony of Calvary. And really, you know, that one, you know, at least for me, thinking, you know, maybe there's someone in your life who doesn't necessarily, you know, believe the Bible is inspired by God, right? They think it was maybe written by man and uh, it's just not inspired. It's not from heaven. You know, maybe that's a track that you might want to share with them, right? So as they go through some of those ironic um, things that happen within Scripture, you know, that, that maybe they'll come to the realization that you know, there's no way that man could have written this and that, that God was behind all of those things. And then, again, the one that we started last week, and we had such a great conversation throughout the night that we really didn't finish it, and so we're just going to continue our thoughts with this tonight, was the track on watered-down baptism. Again, you know, maybe that's someone in your life that you know who, uh, who needs to hear the truth about salvation, Right, that they think that uh, that maybe they, they said a prayer, uh, that they prayed the sinner's prayer, and that they're okay. Right? But but as we go throughout this tract, you know, we're we're learning that uh, you know baptism plays a part uh, in one's salvation, and so we'll continue uh, with this again tonight. And again, there's the idea: watered down, right? Uh, uh, that. You know, to water down something, we, we dilute it, we weaken it, we make it less potent, we make it less forceful. And, you know, we, again, we kind of used those uh, ideas last week of, you know, the, the hotel coffee pot, you know, or the office coffee is sometimes watered down, right, to, to, to stretch it out a little bit so that everyone can get some of that. that that's the idea of watering something down. And, uh, but we do it for positive reasons as well, right? Uh, we might water down the, the medicine, the Tylenol that we give our children, so again, that it's not so potent for them, but this happens in religion as well, doesn't it? And you know that was sort of the point that we made that uh, people have watered down the scriptures to make it, in their minds, more appealing to others, maybe to soften it a little bit, right? To dilute it a little bit. And uh, why do they do that, right? Because maybe there's something that might be controversial to someone, and so... Uh, in order to present the gospel to them, they again, they water it down a little bit. And that's, you know, what we were talking about, really uh, about baptism, right? Baptism has been diluted in the denominational word, world. It has been watered down in the dom- denominational world. And no one can deny, right? And I, I know we talked about this last week, but no one can d- deny the importance of Baptism in Scripture, right? That's a word that we see, you know, over and over again. And I think we touched on this 
the, the, the passage that, you know, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21, where Peter literally says, you know, baptism now saves you, right? Baptism now saves you. But ask the random uh, church-going person on the street, and they would say, no, it doesn't. Uh, it's got nothing to do with it. Uh, Brother B.J. Clark, I can't remember if I used this illustration last week or not, but I, I remember in a sermon that he was preaching, and he was talking about how he was a younger man. He actually got his start uh, in, in, over in the Knoxville area, and he was out door knocking one day, and he came up to a man's porch. And you know, he brought him some literature, wanted to talk to him about the Bible, and they were discussing some things, and they eventually got on to the topic of baptism. You know, and uh, the man was adamant that, you know, baptism uh, does not save, right? Baptism has nothing to do with uh, your salvation, right? And so Brother BJ said, listen, would you mind opening up your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 3, you know, verse 21 and read it out loud? And so he took his Bible and he turned to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21 and, you know, read it out loud. Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you. What do you think his reaction was to that? Basically, what he told BJ was, get off my porch, right? Get off my property, right? Because he was adamant, convinced that baptism has nothing to do with one's salvation. But here he just reads the passage and it upset him, right? And so, again, why? Because in our world today... Uh, the, the idea of baptism has been watered down. And again, we touched on this last week as well, but uh, we talked about how, you know, that word, that Greek word, uh, wasn't translated into English, but it was transliterated into English, right? So uh, if they would have simply translated that Greek word into English, immersion, right? Our, Bible, our Bibles, excuse me, our Bibles should say immersion, everywhere that we come upon that word baptism. But instead of translating it, they transliterated it, right? They took the Greek word and they came up with this new word, which, you know, you and I know as baptism, right? And uh, immersion, of course, means to dip, to plunge, to fully submerge, right? But, but by that time, when that word's translated, that word has changed sort of its definition, uh, not the biblical definition, but man's definition of it, right? So they've added sprinkling, they've added pouring. And so, you know, if you look into a dictionary today, right, go grab a dictionary off your shelf and look up baptism. And I'm not talking about a Bible, or a Bible dictionary, but just a regular old dictionary. Look up baptism, it's going to say uh, the act of, you know, sprinkling, pouring, or being immersed in water, right? Because Man has changed the definition of baptism. And so again, the idea of it has been watered down. And when we looked at these first two points, I think, um, we talked about uh, how, again, the, the world has sort of changed the definition of it and, and made sprinkling uh, part of um, the definition, of a man's definition. And, you know, we talked about some of those passages where, you know, John the Baptist was baptizing, you know, where there was much water, Right. And so that tells us that, uh, you know, water was needed, wasn't it? And, yeah, Scott. Well, I was going to, in my own, what's current now is uh, not only the old arguments versus, you know, sprinkling versus immersion versus pouring, 
But a, a lot of a lot of those a lot of these churches with uh, Calvinistic backgrounds, the uh, more ecumenical churches and stuff, they'll say, well, there's there's three baptisms in the Bible. There is the the John's baptism. There's the Holy Spirit baptism, and then there is spiritual baptism. And the idea of immersion, it, it doesn't really matter. And I'm not saying this is what, what I've come across many times. It doesn't really matter what method a person is baptized in the water. What matters is that the moment you believe, Jesus spiritually baptizes you right then and there, the moment you believe. So once you believe, all that other stuff is taken care of. And that's something that I've run across way too many times over the years. And uh, we just have to go back to the purpose of the Holy Spirit baptism. Uh, Paul in Ephesians 4 talks about the one baptism. And uh, they will say, well, that's the spiritual baptism. I said, no, there's only one baptism. Therefore, all the other ones that you're talking about don't matter. So what is that one baptism? And then you have to go back and go do what you're doing here. Talk about, okay, it's not sprinkling. It's not it's not pouring of water. It's definitely immersion. The, the very word means immersion. And um, But listen, Satan's done a good job at um, distorting um, what baptism is. And... I, if I could share a little preacher analogy, I do this in a lot of sermons. Uh, when somebody's getting married, they can walk down the aisle, they can get all everything decorated and all this other stuff. They can walk up the aisles uh, and, and they can uh, they can even say their vows. But until the ring is on and they've kissed the bride, they're not married yet. If they should die, if, if let's say the groom, uh, let's say I'm getting married with me and my bad heart, and I drop dead because of my heart gives, I'm so excited, my heart gives out, and I just, uh, before I get to kiss the bride, are we married? Um, no. But see, that's what baptism, baptism is, that final, that's where we enter into the covenant with God. That's where our sins are forgiven, and we become considered as sons of God in the mind of God. And until baptism takes place, there is no covenant. And so if, if Satan can say, well, let's just, the moment you believe, yeah, Jesus spiritually baptizes you. Yeah. Uh, that, that just doesn't work. He's going to do everything he can to get people to avoid what the Bible says about baptism. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. That, that reminded me of a debate that I heard probably a couple years ago, where they were talking about baptism and the book of Romans. And I just remember the, uh, the person on the other side um, specifically saying, there's not a drop of water in the book of Romans. Because right? that, that was the position he took, was the, a spiritual baptism yeah. is what's being, uh, being taught. But you know, as we've looked at some of those scriptures, uh, you know, again, I think <laughs> the Ethiopian eunuch, you know, that one just... That just hits home, right? That, that look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And they go down into the water and they come up out of the water. All he did was preach Jesus. All he did was, yeah, all he was, did was preach Jesus. Yeah, Mike? Sometimes man overthinks 
my mind is, as you were talking that man has overthought this for whatever reason. Um, reason to be saving, I guess, but it's, uh, to me, it's very simple. It's a matter of being obedient. That's all, I mean, that's it. It's obedience. That's, that's what this book is entirely about. It's about obedience. Specifically to God. That's the one word I would choose to describe the entire Bible. And one other thing that I didn't catch this last week, um, but it's kind of um, ironic that this is called watered down baptism. I feel like a better title for it would be dehumidified baptism. <laughs> I mean, because these other methods require less water. Uh. And Janet made a point when we first started, just as you were getting started, she whispered over my ear. She says, because people don't want to take a stand on what the Bible actually says, and if somebody disagrees, we got we got to figure out a way to make it less threatening to people to say, I, a lot of people out there have a hard time believing that, that you mean just because a person wasn't baptized, they weren't, they're not saved? And I tell people all the time, hey, um, I didn't make this up. Uh, you got a problem with Paul or you got a problem with God, take it up with them. Don't yell at me. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And, but people are afraid to take a stand uh, to say, yeah, this is what the Bible says. To take a stand and say, yeah, the Bible says baptism now saves you. It's right there. <laughs> a friend of mine in Illinois years ago uh, put this verse, put that very verse on their church sign out front. And uh, the Baptist church across the street decided, you are saved by faith alone. And uh, my preacher the next Sunday put on his sign, James 2, says, uh, um, well, you are not saved by faith yeah. alone. <laughs> James, I can't remember the reference, but James 2, I think. Yeah. But, uh, and that went on for a few weeks, just this battle of the church signs. But uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah. That they were born sinners. Do you mean? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think we we kind of touched on that a little bit last week about um, the baby uh, baptism and stuff. But um, yeah. So again, the world has the religious world has watered down baptism. Uh, the mode of baptism, as we talked about. I think even we talked about last week how you know again in Romans chapter six, Paul refers to baptism as a burial, right? A, a burial. And so, um, you don't sprinkle when you bury something, do you? You, you, you bury, right? You immerse. And so, uh, so, that was the first point. I think we got through the second point as well, uh, to show one has been saved instead of to save, right? And we talked about how the denominational world says that baptism 
is something that you do after you've been saved, right? It's a sign, it's a symbol of uh, an outward sign, an outward symbol of the inward grace. How do they get rid of their sins? Well, they... Which way? Well, they would say at the point of the, the sinner's prayer that they would say that God would save them at that point. Or the moment of belief. Or the moment of belief, right. And so, and so the baptism that they take place maybe a week, two weeks, three weeks later is just simply a sign showing everybody that you know, they have been saved. Well, well, no, in their minds, they've been taught that, that they have been saved at the point of belief, at the point that they prayed that prayer. Right? But we're trying to say, no, no, it's at the point that you know, you're taught the gospel, you believe Jesus, Son of God, you repent of sin, confess Him as Lord, and you've been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And it's at that point that your sins are washed away. Yeah. It's not there. Well, that again, they believe the moment they believe, they believe the moment they believe uh, that they are saved, a Christian. Therefore, baptism simply becomes a sign as to what has already taken place for them. And like I said last week, it's a rotten sign. Yeah, it's a bad sign. What's to do with death, burial, and resurrection? Right. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, so that was the, the point that we made that, you know, baptism is the, the reenactment of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, right? And so that at the, when you're reenacting that, you are contacting the blood of Jesus, and what does the blood of Jesus do for a person? It washes the sin, cleanses you of your sins, right? And so... I'm going to say, if I could, say one more thing, I'm going to shut up. <laughs> I don't want to take over. But... My favorite professor in Bible college said that baptism is a symbol of what actually happens at baptism. Baptism is a, is a symbol of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Right. It's a symbol of our own death, dead sin, burial, resurrection in Christ. It's Romans 6. But that's actually what takes place at baptism is our own death to sin. We're buried and we, we rise up as a new creation. So baptism is a symbol of what actually Happens it is a symbol. Yes. They'll say it's a symbol as well. It's just we, we understand that it's at that point right, that, that uh, your sins are being washed away. And so um, I think we got through this part. But, uh, and this was the part where we talked about a little bit last week about uh, you know, how uh, there are some denominations that will practice sort of a baptism Sunday. Right? Uh, that they'll wait again two or three weeks later. And just get everybody together and then have those individuals um, be immersed. Uh, but they don't believe that at that point they were saved. But it was, you know, a week or two or three weeks later that it was. And so I think that's where we ended last week. And we're running short on time uh, for this last point. But uh, as the track points out... Uh, you know, um, Brother Webster talks about this last point is that some people have watered down baptism to the point of, uh, you know, they are simply doing it to obey God instead of for the remission of sins. And so, you know, we talked about last week how the stated purpose of baptism, of course, is to remove sins. 
but there are some who believe that, you know, that, hey, I did it. Um, I don't necessarily know why I did it, right? But I did it. I, I obeyed God's command. I know God says that uh, he wants me to. Uh, I know that Jesus was baptized, and if he was baptized, then I ought to be baptized. But I really don't understand what took place, right? I didn't understand that the baptism was for the remission of sins. And, you know, that happens a lot with, you know, younger children, right? I don't want to make this a, a lesson on the age of accountability when all that happens, right? When, when that a child comes to the point know, that they understand what sin is and that they've uh, broken God's covenant, right? But a lot of times uh, individuals will be baptized at a younger age, but they really don't know what's going on. I always, whenever I talk to a kid, a child that's sort of at that age when they're starting to think about it, you know, always, always encourage them to write this stuff down, right? Because there's going to come a time when they're 25, 30, 35, 40, and, you know, they're going to start thinking, did I really understand what was going on? Um, did they truly understand or was it what people call today FOMO? Have you ever heard of FOMO? F-O-M-O? Fear of missing out. Right? A lot of people, you know, at maybe like a church camp will see all their friends getting baptized. They're not necessarily ready, but they see all their friends doing it. They don't understand what's really going on, but they go ahead and get baptized anyways. Well, was that a true baptism? Because they didn't understand what they were doing. So let me... Yeah. Yeah, let's take a different example. Let's take the Lord's Supper. Right? If I took one of those packets and I gave it to some random guy on the street and let him eat it, did he just partake of the Lord's Supper? Why? Okay, he doesn't know what the bread represents, possibly. He might not know what the juice represents. Um, he might... Um, not understand that you know he's he needs to be doing this like as Jeff mentions in a well you know, well pleasing manner right he, his mind not be might not be right you know we could throw in there that maybe it wasn't on the Lord's day right uh, all of these different but we understand that uh, just because you know you do an act a a uh, religious act that that doesn't necessarily make it uh, you know pleasing to God right and so again uh, you know a lot of people will be baptized, but maybe for wrong reasons. Can, can you be baptized um, incorrectly? Yeah. yeah let, let's turn to Acts chapter 19, because we have um, an account in Scripture. Acts chapter 19, uh, starting in verse 1. It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country, came to Ephesus and found some disciples and said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, No, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him 
who was coming after him, that is Jesus, or that is in Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Right, so here's an account in the scripture where uh, Paul runs into these, uh, these disciples uh, who were baptized under John's baptism, but it, it happened uh, after uh, Jesus' uh, great commission took place. Right? So when Jesus uh, commissioned the great commission, uh, of course, uh, uh, John's baptism was no longer in practice. Right, Because now we are, as Jesus said, go into all the world, baptizing, uh, that, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Again, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, right? And so when, when Jesus gives the Great Commission, uh, John's baptism is, is no longer valid, right? And, but apparently these disciples were baptized into John's baptism after Jesus gave the Great Commission. And so Paul says, listen, uh, he's talking to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Right? And they said, we haven't even heard of this. And he asked them, into what were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Well, John baptized with uh, the baptism of repentance. Uh, did John baptize correct in using the correct mode? You know, did he immerse people? Well, yeah, he did, right? And did he baptize people for the right reason? You know, remission of sins? At that time. At that time, yeah, right. But... At that time, were they able to reenact the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus? No. And so Paul says, listen, uh, you need to be baptized correctly. Right? Sometimes people say you need to be re-baptized. Uh, but uh, were, are, were you truly baptized the first time, I guess? Uh, is it, I know it's just kind of a, a word thing, I guess, but... Um, again, here, here's Paul saying, listen, uh, your baptism wasn't scriptural, right? And you, they were baptized incorrectly. And so they were rebaptized uh, in Jesus' name, right? With Jesus' authority. And so that's the point we want to make here in this last point is that d did you understand that your sins, you know, were being removed at the point of baptism? And... I think he mentions here Colossians chapter 2, which is a passage that we um, don't often use when we're talking about baptism. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 11. Uh, Paul says, And in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ having been buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So he's kind of using an analogy there of circumcision, right? He says, uh, you, you weren't physically circumcised, but you were spiritually circumcised. And when you were spiritually circumcised, you know, a.k.a. Uh, baptism, right? That's when God surgically removed your sins away. Right? And then he says, and it's important, in verse 12, it says, uh, in which you were also raised up with him through faith. Right? It, that process that took place, there was faith involved in it. 
right? Somebody didn't just grab you, pull you to a pool, dunk you under the water, and, uh, you know, and say everything's good, right? There, there was a process to get there, right? You heard the word of God. You believed Jesus was son of God. You know, you, you repented of your sins, right? You said at this point that I'm going to change my life and I'm going to, you know, follow uh, the scriptures. You, you confess Jesus is Lord. And then through that faith, right, you were baptized uh, for the forgiveness uh, of your sins. And so, you know, someone may say, well, I was baptized because my wife wanted me to or husband or, you know, I, w- I know that's what Jesus would want me to do. If somebody was to say that, I mean, those are good answers, right? But are they responding in faith? No, no I mean, they're doing it because, you know, their, their spouse wanted them to do it. Or they did it because, well, Jesus did it. And so if Jesus did it, then I should do it. But again, that passage there in Colossians chapter 2, verse 12 says, they were raised up with him through faith, right? In the working of God. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, I've heard of preachers in their 60s, 70s who've been preaching the gospel for 40 years come to the point where they said, I don't know, you know, because it was so long ago. And so they would reach out to another minister, you know, kind of do it within the shadows a little bit because, you know, there could be some faith 
people's faith that they might upset if they found out that they were, you know, listening to a preacher for the past 40 years who might not have been a Christian, you know, and so that they, they'll go and, um, as you say, you know, get baptized again. Babies grow up. They're baptized, they're babes in Christ. Yes, exactly. We should expect them to grow up. Just because they didn't know every just because they didn't know anything about trigonometry when they started, doesn't mean they can't do addition. And that's a silly example, but <laughs> things that get more and more complicated. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> math? Yeah. Right. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 is the Great Commission. And Jesus says, Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, teaching them, all, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So in that verse, what does he say first? Is it baptism or teach? Baptism, right? Uh, you don't have to know everything. Like when you are ready to become a Christian. I know that was, you know, personally for me, that was one of my hangups was, uh, you know, I kept saying to the preacher, you know, I just, I just don't know enough. Right? I wanted to know everything that the Bible had to say before I made that decision. And a lot of people are like that. Um, you don't have to know everything to become a Christian, right? But, yeah. Yeah. So, if you already know everything, what more would growth be at? <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Why would we be referred to as babes in Christ? You know? So, yeah, good, yeah, good point. So, oh, there's the bell. Um, we'll end it right here. We'll move on to another track next week, and I will have those out Sunday if you want to pick one up or uh, just get them out next Wednesday. All right. Michael.